Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving, a holistic lifestyle and wellness podcast that's here to help you become the healthiest, happiest, most aligned version of yourself. I'm your host, Ava, a registered dietitian in training and health and wellness junkie. I'm so excited to have you here as I dive deep into meaningful conversations covering topics from nutrition and mental health to spirituality and self-development and everything in between with experts in many fields. I'm so happy you're choosing to learn how to thrive today. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm Ava, and I am so excited for today's episode. If you guys are new here, welcome. If you guys have been here before, welcome back. Today, we have on Jenna Sophia on the podcast, and Jenna is someone I'm so grateful to have crossed paths with recently. She is amazing. She is a subconscious specialist and healer based in London and New York, and she helps high performers, people like top entrepreneurs, creatives, celebrities, billionaires, transform their relationships, their emotional stress and physical pain or illnesses using the power of the mind and her unique approach based in spiritual and scientific methods. She herself has a really amazing journey of healing herself from chronic illness using the power of her mind, and now she helps others do the exact same thing and go beyond their limits using the subconscious to transform into their highest selves. So I'll let the episode speak for itself. I'll keep this short, but please let us know what you think on Instagram. We're at thoughts.on.thriving and share this episode with a friend, text it to someone, put it on your Instagram story, and just do anything you can to get it in people's ears if you liked it. And last but not least, if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, a five-star review preferably, that would be amazing so that we can get this podcast out there and spread the message. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Jenna Sophia. All right. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to Thoughts on Thriving. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Awesome. So for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself just to start off? Yeah. So hi, everyone. I am Jenna Sophia. I'm a subconscious specialist and energy healer. I basically help entrepreneurs and executives manage their mindset, their stress and their health using the power of their mind and connecting that to everything in their life. So cool. And I can tell the audience from personal experience that you really do do that. And it's so awesome. um, All the things that you're doing. So if you could just take us a little bit back and tell us about your childhood and what that was like, how you were raised and how that has shaped your life to get you to where you are today, kind of. Yeah, so I am a born and raised New Yorker. I grew up in New York City and I spent a lot of my time in obviously a very hectic, high stress environment. And as someone that had anxiety from a very young age, this definitely impacted the way that I saw the world and my perception of what I felt safe in. And so I learned from a very early age that I was a very sensitive person, not only emotionally, but energetically. And I didn't have the language back then to really understand that. So, you know, I got that stamp of like, she's an anxious child. (laughs) Um, And so it was a lot of, you know, 
going through that journey and discovering, you know, how I could help myself manage, you know, the energetic stress and the emotional and physical stress that I was experiencing. And so, you know, I went on a journey from a very young age. I started learning healing modalities from 11 years old and yeah. And this was really, you know, my mom's call to help me find ways to manage my anxiety because it was very crippling at times where I just wouldn't be able to even leave the house or, you know, I'd be at school and I'd be hiding in the bathroom for the whole day just because it was like very intense for me. Mm -hmm. And so that really, you know, created this desire to learn more about the mind, the body and the spirit and how we can use tools to overcome challenges that we're experiencing internally. And as I grew up, you know, I had a lot of anxiety, as I mentioned, and then that ended up developing into different physical issues, such as endometriosis and PCOS, which are both reproductive organ issues. Um, And now I'm happy to say that I've like healed myself from those things using my mind and all the tools that, you know, I've used over the last God knows 15 years plus. So it's really been a journey and I'm, I'm really happy that I went on that journey because if I wasn't anxious or if I didn't get sick, I would have never been opened up to this other side of what was possible. And it really, you know, was a long dark night of the soul, a lot of purging, not only my energy, ancestral energy, a lot of things that, you know, I picked up around me. And, you know, once you clear all of that, I've seen, how that can change a person's reality from the inside out. Wow. So you mentioned when you were 11, you started using healing modalities. Who, who, how did you learn these? Who taught these to you? Can you talk a a little bit about how at such a young age you're healing yourself and healing others? Yeah, for sure. So I started learning Reiki, which is a form of energy healing. So my mom actually brought a Reiki master over to the house. I was 11 years old and she was like, this woman is going to open up your chakra so that you can send energy to yourself because I always had like a nervous tummy. And Mm -hmm. so it was like using this energy so that I could just place my hand, something very simple and empowering to just kind of calm my nerves and, you know, any physical symptoms that I was experiencing because of the anxiety. And that kind of opened up a whole, you know, trail of other things, but it was definitely my mom that introduced me pretty much to everything that I've learned. And, you know, she, if you're familiar with human design, anyone, she has a one line. Um, So she loves investigating and she loves diving deep. And I love the practical application of everything that she finds. (laughs) I've just been collecting that over time. That's so funny. I have a one in my profile in human design. If you guys are listening and don't know what that is, you should definitely look your human design up. It's really cool and tells you a lot about how you work in Mm -hmm. this world. But I have a one as well. So I can definitely relate to your mom. Does she is she a very like spiritual person? Or was she kind of doing this to help you? And just kind of like, you know, last resort for sure. I actually grew up Muslim. So I grew up going to mosque and things like that, but there was also a very spiritual aspect to, you know, the religious protocol that we were following. There was a lot of meditation that was recommended and things like that. And so I think, you know, my mom's always been very curious in that way and opening, you know, our eyes to what else is out there. And I definitely think that 
my illness and, you know, my sister was also pretty ill as well in terms of, you know, how can I make a better life for my children and do things that are a little bit alternative because, you know, mainstream medicine was just kind of pumping us with a lot of medication and she didn't want that to just be our life. And that's pretty much how we got to where we are now. (laughs) Wow. So when you had endometriosis and PCOS, I know you were hospitalized for like on and off for a while. How did you go from such a severe (laughs) illness and such a bad state to being so radiant and healthy now? Absolutely. It definitely was a journey. And I, I don't like to say that it happened overnight because I really think that this compounds, you know, especially when you're learning about how the body works, how, you know, the mind works and the connection between the two, you start to learn more and more. And you're like, oh, there's another string and there's another aha moment. And so, you know, how I got to where I am now, I think what really put me over the edge into health was changing my diet and Mm. um, working through the subconscious mind and creating different epigenetic signals, AKA allowing the body to take instructions from the mind in how it should be programmed and how it should work. And then allowing the body to do just that. That's amazing. So for someone who's listening and they're like, what is the subconscious mind? Can we just like dumb it down? What, what exactly are we speaking of here? Yeah. So the subconscious mind is 95% of all of your thoughts, your actions, your limiting beliefs. It's basically a recording system of everything that you've ever experienced. Whether, whether you've been awake or asleep um, or unconscious even, it's constantly recording all of this data. And what happens is, is that between the third trimester um, of when we're in our mother's womb, all the way up till about the age of seven, 95% of that is being formed. So what we are experiencing as adults are really our childhood absorption of reality. And so we are constantly looking at life through a certain perception based on what we experienced through childhood, more or less. And so, you know, let's say, you know, you grew up with a family that was very scarce with money and had a lot of abundance issues. You might see that you're continuing that same experience today um, without really understanding why it just feels like a block. You feel like you're stuck and you're like, I don't want to feel like this. I know I can feel abundant, but it's like, how do I get that? But because your subconscious is so hardwired and a million times more powerful than your conscious mind, the part of you that's like, wants to take action and wants to make choices, the subconscious is always going to be holding you back because that's where all of the power in your behavior lies and in what your body can and cannot do. So that's basically just a very high level overview. It controls everything and you can control it once you tap into it. And then once you do that, you basically have full agency over your life. That's so interesting. So how can someone tap into their subconscious? Do we need to like work with someone like you or how can we kind of take ownership and stop living through those subconscious loops that have been placed in us from childhood? Absolutely. So definitely, you know, if you're going through something intense, either like a health issue or something in your life that you've been trying for a long time to change, I definitely recommend, you know, working with someone who is versed in the subconscious, but, you know, things that you can start doing now and that I recommend to all my clients in the beginning is 
be very aware of what you're putting into your psyche on a daily basis. What information are you absorbing? Do you watch a lot of news? Do you listen to mainstream music? Um, that tends to have a lot of subconscious programming that we are unaware of because music carries frequency and our mind then attunes to those frequencies based on what you know we're constantly bombarding ourselves with. So that would be the first thing. And the second thing is to really be aware of what you're putting into your mind right before you go to sleep, about an hour or two before you sleep and about an hour or two when you wake up. So are you constantly scrolling on Instagram right before you go to bed or waking up and doing that? Um, I have done that in the past for sure. And, you know, it's definitely like one of those habits that, you know, would be good to get out of. So, you know, these, these times in the day are really important because it's when your brain is in more of a theta state. So you're more easily programmed to and be suggestible to what it is that you're looking at. So it's always a great time, you know, right before you go to bed and right when you wake up to really be absorbing information that is high vibe. So it's a great time to look at your goals or read affirmations or do a meditation or read something that's really enriching and fun for you, because that's really going to set the tone for your sleep state and also your day um, when you wake up and what you're constantly priming yourself with. So if you're trying to make changes, I definitely would recommend, you know, cutting out the news and cutting out, you know, Instagram before bed or any social media in, in bed, um, before bed or in the morning to make sure that you are not putting your subconscious in a suggestible state to be programmed for you. Rather, you can take agency and start programming yourself with what it is that you want to experience and feel. Mm, I love that. I completely agree. Like I do not watch the news and people are like, what? But yeah, I can't. It's just, it gets me down. I can't listen to the news yeah. ever. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's before bed or in the middle of the day. <laughs> so like I, I'll educate myself. I'll read something on online, but I just can't, I can't do it with like the, especially I feel like visually we're being programmed Absolutely. even more um, than just like with audio. And I love what you said about the high vibe content, because I feel like so much of mainstream media, so many even like mainstream TV shows and things are so dark. And mm -hmm. it's just like people watch that at night right before they go to bed. And then they wonder yeah. why they have nightmares. And I mean, my friends get annoyed with me because I only watch like rom-coms and that's kind <laughs> of it because that's just what makes me feel good. But yeah. besides that, what are some examples? Because I mean, do you have any like things that you like to watch or listen to some examples, some tangible ones. Yeah. I love Gaia, which is like, you know, the, <laughs> I love Gaia for, you know, great awakening or like anything high vibe. So, you know, I love to watch Gaia. I also love to listen to affirmations. You know, if I, if I'm going into a big, um, you know, experience for work, like let's say I'm working with a pretty high-end clientele and I want to prime myself for how I want to feel, you know, I'll create affirmations for myself, like just recording what I want to experience and what I want to feel. I also like to do a lot of visualization and connect feeling to visualization and putting myself in those experiences so that my mind and body feel primed for that. I also love to do different types of meditations. I might've said that before and just really listening to music that feel feels good. You know, anything pre, I feel like two thousands, you know, the frequencies haven't really been disrupted, <laughs> but, so um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's really, it's, it's not really about 
what I do, but what feels good to you. And I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's the most important thing. Like you'll know if something is trash, like you'll, you'll know, and it might feel a little bit addictive because it feels like it's giving you these dopamine hits, but really deep down, you have to be discerning with how something makes you feel right. So it's not to say that you can't watch trashy TV or you can't listen to, you know, mainstream music every now and then, but just being aware of the fact that your subconscious is being programmed with all the information that you're receiving constantly. And what is it that you want to program your subconscious with? Because people think it's like this big thing that, you know, you can't have access to. But as I mentioned, your subconscious is always on. It's always recording everything in this moment right now. Like as you're listening to this, your subconscious is being programmed to either this awareness that you didn't have before or a deeper understanding of what you didn't know before. And so recognizing that it's just the same as choosing the food that you are going to eat. This is choosing the food that you're going to eat for your mind and how that definitely affects the overall state of your mental and emotional and physical health. Oh, I love that. The food for your mind. That's exactly what it is. And speaking of food. So I totally agree that food for your mind is so important, what we're putting into our subconscious. But what about you mentioned you changed your diet to help heal yourself. Do you think that food plays into um, how we're feeling mentally as well? And these subconscious patterns and just generally how we're feeling, what kind of changes did you make? And what makes you feel the most high high vibe. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So for me, when I was changing my diet, when I was like severely sick, I went completely vegan and I'm not full vegan now anymore, but it was what I needed to do at that time. And what I felt called to, I also think intuitive eating is very important. Um, instead of following like fast fads or, you know, what you think you should be doing versus what you don't want to be doing, but are making yourself do. Um, And I think, you know, the approach to food and, and how we feed ourselves, you know, I've worked with people who have had, you know, weight issues, but, you know, they're eating quote unquote, all the right things, but their body isn't changing. And it's because of the way that they're eating the food and consuming it energetically Mm. that they're not receiving the shifts from it. So it's not about what you eat, but how you eat it. My mom is a classic example of this because this woman eats white bread all day and night, hardly, (laughs) you know, she'll have like a green juice in the morning, but then she'll eat like bread and peanut butter for days because that's what she grew (laughs) up on. And it's like, you know, a soft spot for her. And she is so healthy and so vibrant, never gets sick. And it's a true testament to the power of our mind, because if you're eating something with enjoyment and knowing that you're listening to what your body wants now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but if your mind is that powerful and you can control your body's physiology with your mind, then it doesn't matter if you're eating or drinking something that is negative, if you have that full control over your mind. And also in Ayurveda, they say, you know, eating something, you know, physically, it's just as important to energetically consume it and be on the same page of what it is that you're eating physically, like thinking that the food is good for you, having gratitude for the food that you're eating, because that really changes your physiology in terms of how the food goes down. Um, You know, they did a, a study with like, monks like in Mongolia, they like drank all this contaminated water and never got sick. Why? Because their mind was on such a high level of consciousness that all of the negativity was completely basically transformed through the power of their mind. So it's not so much how, what you eat, but how you eat it. Wow. 
That's so interesting. So would you say the same thing about like something like alcohol? Because I know a lot of people in this space are kind of like anti-alcohol and, you know, we want to be as clear of a channel as possible, but I feel like alcohol can also be consumed in the same way. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, I also would say the type of alcohol, right? And the way that you're consuming it. Um, for me, I'm a big fan of biodynamic wine. And sometimes I'll have a few glasses and I'll actually feel better the next day. But it's also, you know, everything in moderation. You don't want to do too much of anything, right? So it's just about being in tune with your body, the intention of what you're consuming, making sure it's already high vibe organic, biodynamic in the best way possible, because that in itself carries a frequency, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, you know, someone that doesn't really have control over their mind yet, or isn't feeling, you know, as comfortable or confident in your mind's ability to do different things for your body, then, you know, you would be getting more of that benefit through the physical frequency of what it is that you're consuming. But I truly believe that as you continue to ascend in consciousness, your body can then create different responses with what you're putting in your body. And I also believe that, you know, as you change and develop internally, your choices and desires change internally, right? So, you know, you don't really see people who do a lot of inner work, you know, raging every single weekend, right? Because that vibration is too far apart. It's not to say that that's wrong and going out and having fun in that way is wrong. It's just a different wavelength of frequency. And so for someone to go and drink heavily, they're going to have a huge, you know, impact the next day on how they feel because it's not, it's too big of a gap in consciousness. And so that's something to be aware of as well. Um, Cause I found, you know, especially for me in my healing journey, like the more and more clean I became internally with my thoughts and also with the food that I was consuming, I became more energetically attuned to what did and didn't serve me. So certain foods I didn't choose to eat anymore um, or the way that food was cooked, you know, all of these things shifted internally for me as I became, you know, less toxic in my mind and body. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I actually have done so much inner work in the last year, I would say, um, even more, but especially in the last year and three months ago, I was just like, I can't drink anymore. I just, Mm -hmm. my body does not want this inside of me anymore. It just makes me feel bad. Um, not just physically, but like mentally, spiritually. So I stopped drinking and I haven't drank in over three months now. And I, have never felt better, but it's not like a physical feeling of feeling better. Like, sure, yeah. I'm not hungover in the mornings, yeah. but I'm also just like lighter and it, yes. it's a different energy. It's a different frequency, like you said. So I can totally speak to that as well. And I completely and in, in agreement with you. Did you, did you go to school? Like, where did you learn all of this? Did you go to school for this? What did you study or where did you get is this like a, are these credentials you're getting to help heal your clients and all this wisdom or where would you say you got all of this information from? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely, I traveled pretty much all over the world from like Asia to Europe, to the U S to learn different modalities over the years. Um, I've also Mm. worked with different shamans to kind of open up my own intuitive abilities and, you know, 
learning how to facilitate. So I've really, you know, been on a journey for many years and collecting many tools that, you know, we would see as quote unquote credentials, you know, learning different modalities. And then a lot of it as well as my own, you know, intuitive wisdom that has shown itself to me because I am in a different vibrational state than what I was, you know, when I was younger and, you know, not having control over my mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, it is an unfolding process, but yes, I, I have studied with, you know, different facilitators and different modalities to learn the things that I'm learning and, you know, giving to my clients. So cool. And is there anyone that you can point your finger to like a mentor, or one person in particular, that's kind of caused the most shift or transformation inside of you to kind of unlock those abilities inside of you? Ooh, that's tough because I feel like every modality that I learned was an unlocking in itself. But I will say that there was one mentor that I had, his name is Shaman Durek. And this is where Mm. I feel like my energy just like cracked open. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is quantum. This is, you know, manifestation on a completely new level. Um, I went to something that he had called shaman Boot Camp back in 2017, I believe mm-hmm. it was 2017. And, you know, we were learning how to clear out different energies in um, what's called the bowl, which is in your gut, where a lot of like different spirits and, you know, energetic attachments live. And so it was a three day experience and, you know, learning how to read people intuitively pick up on their energy. And things were just like, opening up for me that I just, I didn't know was possible. It was like, but really it was just showing me like when you attune to the certain vibration, you can receive the information. So it's not that we don't have the skills to do it, or we don't have the wisdom. It's just, there's too much fuzziness or too much imprinting that is preventing us from really experiencing that. So it was a lot of like, undoing all of the, these imprints that were blocking essentially the third eye. And one thing that was very cool, if, if we have time to share this story that um, yeah. I experienced with him. So we learned something about going into the quantum and creating things from that space, right? So it's like, you can, it's this process where you're able to basically go into the quantum state. So for anyone that's not familiar with that, it's essentially being able to attune your frequency to possibilities in any shape, way, or form. Okay. So for me, you know, we were learning how to go into the quantum, like to create more success or better health or, you know, all of these, you know, almost intangible things, but like things that we wanted to experience internally. So I had these four rings that I wear all the time, pretty much. And, um, I was at the airport after we had left and I couldn't find my rings. Like I usually wear them pretty much all the time. Couldn't find them. I was with my mom and my sister. We went through my entire bag and like, these rings aren't just like fancy rings. They're like sentimental. Like one of them is like my great, great grandmother's who was a medicine woman. So it's like, there's a lot of energy behind the stuff that I wear and couldn't find it under the whole bag. We're like in the security line. And I'm just like, you know what? This is really, this is really shitty. Like, I can't believe I lost these. I feel really bad. And then my mom was like, why don't you go into the quantum? And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. I never thought about going into the quantum to like retrieve something. So we go through security. I'm like still looking for it. And we decide to like 
go to the bathroom before we go onto the plane. So I'm not kidding. I'm in the bathroom stall in Miami International Airport. <laughs> and this might be TMI, but I find it really funny that it happened this way. So <laughs> I'm peeing. Okay? okay. And I decide to go into the quantum as I'm peeing, <laughs> close my eyes. I just like decide to go there. And I envision <laughs> the place where I saw my rings last, which was in the hotel on the table, right where, you know, the door was. So mm-hmm. I envisioned all the rings there and, you know, I was very non-attached obviously, because I was like going to the bathroom and I was like, let me just do this for fun. Like I had no attachment to it. And I think that was a huge part of, you know, what happened after. Mm-hmm. So I had no attachment to it and, um, finished going to the bathroom. I take my bag, my rings are on top of my bag all four rings so yeah like in my bag no like the bag that I like my handbag so I my bag was like on the hook in the bathroom stall oh I finished going to the bathroom I take my bag and Uh I see all my rings just like literally in a row all four of them in the bag in the bag in the bag and And you had looked all over I looked all over my mom and my sister were there I was like on the verge of tears (gasps) because I was like I can't believe I almost lost this this you know this is crazy and then I get out of the bathroom and I'm like you're not even gonna believe it she was like were they on the bag and I'm like yes they were on the bag like I can't even I can't even believe it insane yeah it was crazy so cool But it's almost like showing us that like, you know, everything is energy and there are so many different ways to receive, you know, Mm -hmm. from the universe and to receive what we need when we need it. I was reading this book recently about um, these explorers that went to, you know, the far east in the 1800s and they were recording their um, their findings about these people who had, quote unquote, supernatural abilities. And, you know, the the writings basically were explaining that these people who were quote unquote supernatural living for five, 600 years um, were not actually supernatural. It's just, they were super present and they truly had a belief in their own ability to create anything at any moment. So it's like they would go get something to eat and the money would appear in their hand or they were needing to create heat and a fire would appear. And so this really is opening my mind And, you know, this was like, what, four or five years later, you know, where I'm starting to read this book after I had that crazy experience. Mm -hmm. But it's really just showing us that there is so much beyond our perception that we cannot see. Right. So it's not that this is crazy or impossible. It's just our own perception that is blocking us from receiving or even seeing that as a possibility for us. So I thought that would be something fun to share. Oh, that's <laughs> an amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's such an amazing story. Wow. Yeah. And that just goes to show that how powerful I'm, our minds are. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is like proven by science. It's not even like that crazy out there. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Like he's yeah. showing this to us on a daily basis with right. his work, which if you haven't, if you're listening and you don't know who that is, you should definitely look into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Cause it kind of helps. I, for me, when I try to talk about this kind of stuff with people, it can kind of go over their heads yeah. um, at times. And I feel like he's a really good uh, way, like he has a really good method of bridging the gap between yes. the spirituality, the energetics and the science, which yes. is really cool. But I wanted to know what 
the biggest blocks are. So what are the biggest things that you see in your clients? I know you work with a lot of different people Mm -hmm. to kind of get them to the state where they can create things, not just with their own minds, but with their energy. And so what are the biggest things that people come to you for? And what are the biggest blocks that you're finding that are preventing them from getting to get to where they want to be? Absolutely. And, you know, I would start by saying that, you know, if on a very high level, it's just about the perception of what they have of any situation that they're having a block in and removing those limits of their perception to perceive something that is now a possibility for them. So it's understanding that our mind has limits because of our programming. So if we want something that our limits aren't allowing us to have, we have to remove the perception that is causing that to create possibility for that to take place. So, you know, in terms of the clients that I work with, you know, I work with so many different clients, especially like entrepreneurs and executives. It's like they've already created so much growth and potential for themselves and, you know, amassed a lot of abundance and success and all of the things that, you know, we look at as, you know, amazing and things that we all want to strive for, but there's always a next level. There's always more. So it's like, how do we push the limits of the mind? We're not even push the limits of the mind. How do we open the mind to create what they want in their next chapter and in their next level, whether that's more money or more fulfillment or more time, um, and making sure that we're setting up their mind and their energetics in a way to create that potential for them. Because generally what I see is they'll come in with a block and they won't believe that it's possible to get past it. Once we remove that limitation of what's impossible and create possibility, it's like planting a seed of potential. And then they're able to create momentum because their mind is more open to what is possible and what can take place. And then through action, pairing it with that, they start to create and manifest quote unquote amazing transformations because their mind is really now open to what they thought they could and couldn't do. So cool. So would you say that you're mostly working on kind of that abundance piece, the whole, the financial piece, or can this be applied to any part of our lives? Yeah. Any part of any part of, you know, their lives, it's not necessarily abundance. I mean, I, I have worked with people on that before, but it's generally about, you know, recognizing that they've created a certain level of success and like, what is important for them to create next? Like, is it that they Mm. want a better work-life balance? Is that they want, you know, more creativity and opening up their ideas and, you know, what flows through them and how inspiration, you know, comes through them and really opening up their mind and, you know, body on the same page that they can start to receive, you know, new solutions to problems or become more creative in the work that they're doing or see things through a different perspective. Because when we look at, you know, change makers in the world, it's because they're innovative and what makes someone innovative, it's their ability to see beyond what others can't. And so, when I'm working with these types of people, it's really having them stretch beyond their current perception and whatever it is that they want so that they can go and really set up themselves to create more impact through, um, you know, what they're able to receive and connect to energetically and, you know, on an inspiration level. So it's, 
it sounds like it doesn't really matter what they're trying to get. It's just the fact that they have these perceptions in their heads and you, mm-hmm. all you're doing is coming in and helping them change that perception, which, you know, Marianne Williams, Williamson says a miracle is just a shift in perception. So you're basically yes. causing miracles to happen <laughs> in their minds and you call it that. <laughs> shifting their perceptions so that they can get whatever it is that they want in their yeah, lives. Exactly. And I'm not shifting anything. I, you know, this is like a huge part of my work is that it's not, I'm doing the work. It's like, you know, we're aligned in co-creating this space together. So mm-hmm. you're the one that wants something. I don't want that for you. You want that. Right. For you, right. Right. So you're just like, I'm here, but how do I get there? And so through my tools and methodology and approach, I'm able to help them, you know, get them there. I can't make them think something differently. I can't make them, you know, have an open mind that really is based on their ability and their openness and willingness to shift because it really is an identity shift, right? If you firmly believe that, you know, life is hard and this is how it is. And all I do is like, I'm a workhorse. I never have time for my family. That's your perception. I didn't put that in you and I'm not going to take that out of you. It's right. Are you ready to let go of that? Are you ready to change your behaviors accordingly? Are you ready to imprint different things subconsciously so that your behavior can then start to naturally take action along with that? And so, you know, the change happens as quickly as, as they allow it to. And sometimes if the conditioning and the mental programming is so deep, it sometimes takes a little bit of time to unravel that because it's so layered. Um, But I truly believe that anything is possible to change. And I've seen, you know, spontaneous, you know, miracles happen because people have been in the right place at the right time, changing their mind and allowing things to flow from that space. Wow. So you mentioned these tools and methodologies that you have. What are some of those methodologies? I know you use Psyche as one of them, but I know you, you have a lot of different ones. So could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, some of the other tools that I use um, are emotion code and body code. I also use a lot of different shamanic techniques. I also have my own intuitive uh, practices as well. Something that you experienced uh, as the upgrade. So that's more of an intuitive method where I am able to go into this meditative state and connect to other individuals in higher dimensions in their light body. So not in like physical 3d form, but more in like their soul form and help clear blockages in that area. So it really um, depends and, you know, the tools that I use based on what the client needs. And I love combining all these things together, you know, in human design, I'm a manifesting generator. So I love the, the mix and matching of, of all the things to create new sauce. (laughs) And um, yeah, that's, you know, pretty much, you know, like a high level overview of some of the tools that I use. I'm probably forgetting other things that I've used, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're really living in your design. If you're a manifesting (laughs) generator, that's what I am as well. Amazing. For those of you who don't know, that's basically, there's five different types of, um, like energy types in human design. There's manifestors, generators, manifesting generators, projectors, and reflectors. And once again, this is your second (laughs) reminder. I really recommend you find what your design is. I've like done this with a lot of my friends and family and they all love it. And it's really, really telling. And manifesting generators are kind of like the people who are doing things that the way they've never been done before. And they're interested in a lot of different things. They have a lot, they're multi-hyphenate people. Um, so 
it sounds like you're really bringing that into your work, which is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Are there other ways that you're living in your design right now, would you say? Well, okay. So I'm a shores environment. (laughs) So I love like different environments and like mix match, you know, experiences. So like, Mm -hmm. I just got a place in Miami and I also live in London. So it's like, I like the like mixing of environments. Um, I also find that like, you know, the clients and, you know, the companies that I'm working with, they all do different things. And so that also feeds my desire to, to be in different environments and, you know, use different skill sets at different times. And, um, yeah, I'm still working on the digestion portion because, (laughs) you know, I, I think I have, I have alternate appetite, I think. So it's Uh like, I feel like it can be limiting to me at times, just having like, you know, a little bit of one thing at a time from what I understood it to be. But yeah, wait, um, I've never heard of that. Mine's like hot food, which means yeah. like the food that I eat has to be <laughs> That's like That's so warm. easy. Yeah, yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah. So like my digestion is the oldest digestion in human design or like the oldest oh. type of digestion. So it's like, I'm the newest type of energy as an MG, but then I have the yeah. oldest digestion. Um, so it's kind of weird, but um, you know, just kind of like simplifying the way that I eat, like not putting too many ingredients. And like growing up, I never liked a lot of things in one go. Like Uh I was never, I was always like, Oh, let's have some potatoes and some spinach and some Turkey and like call it a day. Whereas like, you know, a lot of people like, you know, Buddha bowls and like all these things where it's like packed with like 20 ingredients. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, it's always been overwhelming for me. So, you know, the, the lesser, the better. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I love learning about other people's designs because yeah. there's no place where I can see like all the different types of like, yeah. I don't even know how many options there are of like yeah. how many different digestion types there are. So that's interesting. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. So would you say that people come to you as kind of like a last resort? Because I feel like after hearing all of this, it's like no one that I know would go through something where they're having a struggle and like immediately find something like this I feel Mm -hmm. like it would be like I've tried having a business coach and then I tried going to this person and like like all these things that are kind of more uh, mainstream and then would you say that like you're kind of like a last stop for people or is that not really the case Uh, actually yeah that tends to be the case because I feel like especially my approach and the energy that I put out, it's like, you know, I'm very holistic in my approach, right? So I look at the subconscious, but I also look at ancestral energy and I look at, um, you know, your aura and the energy that you're carrying day to day. And like, you know, what you're feeding your body, how you're exercising, all these different things. And so I feel like that becomes quite, um, like people start, like people are looking for something like that because it's normally like you go to Mm. one person and you just do one thing. It's like nutrition or that. Not that I do like nutrition and things like that, but it's just like, you know, bridging more awareness of like, you know, your environment. Like, are you surrounded by a lot of EMFs? Do you have toxic people in your lives? Like, it's like understanding where all these different problems could be coming from. Um, But I also find that, you know, it's people who have done a lot of personal development work overall and are just looking either to try something new or to try a different approach. Um, or like you said, you know, they've tried a lot of different things and, you know, they're kind of at the point where they're ready for a shift in consciousness, which is what it really is more than anything. Got it. And so when you're trying to help these people, I know you talk a lot about, you know, 
creating ease and grace and stuff and how things don't have to be that hard. What are some ways that we can create more grace and ease in our lives and kind of use these these principles to to create magnificent change yeah absolutely so I really am a huge believer in simplifying things and not trying to overcomplicate it like you don't need an eight-hour morning routine you don't need to do the same thing every day or maybe you do depending on your human design yeah I was just gonna say (laughs) (laughs) you know but but even besides that on a very high level it's like what are you doing that you think you need to do versus like the way that you would like it to be done and like really sticking true to what is authentic to you. Right. And like not putting boundaries on your journey or your process and allowing things to ebb and flow experiment with life. You know, does it feel good to meditate? Um, Is it grounding you or does it cause more stress because you feel like you have to do something in order to be at peace. Right. So it's recognizing that there are different, there are different tools and there are different approaches for different levels of consciousness. And the most important thing is to always check back within, is this making me feel good? And very simply always going back to that question with what you eat, with what you consume, with who you're around, um, the environments you're living in, you know, all of these things, if you can go back to that question, does this make me feel good? You can then start to create sustainable changes because you recognize something isn't working and then you are going to experiment to do something else to see if that feels better for you. And I think the more and more that we do that, we start to create more ease and grace because we're no longer pushing up against, we're creating resistance around doing the things or being around people that aren't, you know, serving us in our evolution at that time. Yeah. I love what you said, because I think there's so much noise out there. Like you have to have this morning routine and do this every day and like meditate daily, which I mean, I agree with a lot of (laughs) it. Like I, I meditate daily and it really does serve me, but I think there's so much like, it's, it's not all black and white for every single person. Definitely not one size fits all. (laughs) Yeah. It's not one size fits all. You have to kind of take your own approach to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people can maybe waste a lot of their time trying to be like other people in terms of their routines and what they do every day. And then that ends up making them more stressed out than it is like serving them for their day. Yes. So (laughs) that's a really good point is to like, listen to your intuition to see which parts of what you're hearing or what you think you should do um, are working for you and which, what you want to like let go of. But how do you recommend that people, if they don't really feel connected to their intuition, Mm -hmm. Are there different things that people can do to get more connected? Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like one of the main things why people feel disconnected to their intuition, one of them is their programming, right? So all of their subconscious programs are either, you know, creating like a fuzzy antenna, let's say towards, you know, their own inner wisdom. So definitely like working through the conditioning that you have experienced growing up. But I also think it's about taking agency and responsibility of making choices and taking responsibility for the choices that you're making rather than saying, oh, well, I had to do this because my mom wanted to do this or my boyfriend made me do this or my boss is making me do this. And getting really clear with yourself of saying, I'm making this choice to do this. And then you'll know if you know that's actually serving you or holding you back. And the more and more you do that, you can start to to understand the subtle frequencies and energies that you're picking up on in any situation in life, right? So the more you start making choices for yourself and owning them rather than projecting and saying, 
other people are doing this to me, the more you're going to connect with your inner voice and your own um, wisdom in that way to then be able to be quote unquote in touch with your intuition. Right. So like asking inside why before doing things just to kind of get a clear idea of the true reason behind it and then kind of picking and deciphering which ones are for you and which ones are for other people. And then you start to see when things are for you, that's what your intuition really wants. Exactly. And it's, it's also about recognizing that, you know, your intuition is at the end of the day, feeding you information on what choices you should make in your life. Simple choices, like even from, should I eat an apple or should I eat a banana? Mm -hmm. Um, Or even bigger choices, like, should I leave this job or should I, you know, stay where I am? You know, but it's all about making choices. And the more choices that you make and the more awareness that you have that I am making this choice, you will then start to create more data for yourself to say, oh, okay, well, I made that choice. That didn't feel so good. So was I listening to myself or was that something that I thought I needed to do? And like having that inner dialogue and just almost keeping a journal of like, okay, Mm -hmm. I made this choice and it went this way versus the other way. And then you can start to pick up on, okay, these are the choices that I made. This is how I was feeling when I made those choices. Now I can start to discern that when I'm in that state, that's not really serving me or that's, those are things that I'm not aligned with versus, you know, when I made this decision, I was experiencing more of a lightness and an ease and a, you know, it just, it felt right. And then you'll be able to discern, you know, in your day to day and also with making bigger choices, you know, what is your intuition versus what is conditioning? Well, I love that because I feel like we don't take enough time to reflect on the, like people put so much energy and time into the decisions they're making, but they don't put as much energy or time into how that decision turned out. And if it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out, they don't really do anything differently next time. And I think that that prevents a lot of good things from coming into our lives because we're not keeping tabs on our past decisions. Mm -hmm. That's actually something you taught me as well as to like, really keep, like, keep it in a journal, keep it in, in a notebook, like write down decisions that you're making that are based on your intuition and see if that actually felt good, because then that can tell you what your intuition is actually versus your ego. Yeah, exactly. And you know, at the end of the day, when we are connected to our intuition, what it really is saying is like, we trust ourselves and we trust the choices that we're making Mm. at the end of the day. Right. So if you have this mistrust with yourself or you're constantly questioning yourself because either you've been conditioned to always look out outwardly for, you know, the choices you're making, or, you know, people have told you your whole life, what you should and shouldn't do. And so now when it comes Mm. to making choices, we're like, Oh, should we do this? Should we do this? And look, everyone has this because look at the world we've grown up in, right? There's like indoctrination left, right, and center from medical indoctrination to educational indoctrination, religious indoctrination. Like we have literally been told that trusting ourselves is not the right thing that we must look outside for what is right for us. And I think what's happening now is this huge shift in consciousness where people are waking up and starting to discern for themselves, like what is and isn't right for them. And Mm -hmm. the more that people do that, the more I truly feel we will start to live in a more harmonious world because it's not about what other people are doing, but about what you're doing for your best and highest good at every moment. 
Oh, I love that. So many good bits of wisdom in that. And that's like the perfect question to end on because we are running out of time, but I hope that that helped people kind of decipher the difference between what you really want and what other people want. Because that's something I've talked about. I talked about that on, um, in the first episode, like trying to let go of people's shoulds and people's ideas of what they want me to be and trying to just be who I want to be. And it's really Mm -hmm. hard, especially at this time to kind of do that without being scared of what other people are going to think about you and stuff like that. But you're right. When you have the trust in yourself, it doesn't really matter. All of that goes out the window. So that that's amazing. And before we end, I do have a few rapid fire questions I like to ask everyone. So do you have time? Yes, I love it. Okay, (laughs) perfect. The first one is what's your favorite fruit? Oh, the first thing that came to my head was passion fruit, but I also (laughs) love mango. Love, love, love mango. (laughs) Love mango and passion fruit. Have you had passion fruit on watermelon? No. Oh my God. It's so (laughs) good. You have to try it. An MG creation, of yes. course. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Okay. What is your sun sign? Uh, Vir- Virgo? Is that? Yeah, Virgo. When yeah, were you like born? Yeah, like what? September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Virgo. What are, I, I'm actually not that familiar with Virgos. I don't know any, like I'm not close with any Virgos. Well, like, technically your... I'm, on, I'm on the cusp because I'm of September a Leo? 20th. No, uh, Virgo Libra. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you identify more with being a Libra or Virgo? I don't know, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I know much more about Libras. I mean, like my sister has gone really deep into astrology that I'm learning more that it's not just about like your sun sign. Like there's so many other things that operate around it that I've kind of like let go of the conditioning of like, I'm a Virgo because like, you know. Right. Totally. Like there's your moon sign, you're rising, there's houses and like all the different planets. So it's way more complicated. For sure. (laughs) Um, What is one book that changed your life and that you'd recommend to everyone? Mm, Biology. Yeah. Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. That really showed me the understanding of how we can create epigenetic shifts like through our subconscious and understanding the science behind it. Um, And that really opened my eyes really to, you know, the next level of my healing journey and healing myself. What's one habit or ritual you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? Mm. You know, I'm going to be honest and say that I don't have one thing that I do every day, to be honest, because I am inconsistent in human design, meaning that I, you know, routine doesn't work for me. And, you know, even this idea of like picking one thing that I do every day, I mean, I could say like, I breathe every day and I eat every day. Right? <laughs> like I guess that's, that's a, a habit, good answer. Right? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the two things that I do every day, but it really depends. Like what I do every day is like listening to what is authentic for me. And, you know, if I want to meditate, I'll meditate. If I don't, I don't, if I want to DJ, I'll DJ. If I don't want to DJ, I won't. So it's like really just listening to my intuition and discerning what I need in this moment, rather than saying that I need to do something in order to be who I want to be, um, and get to where I want to go. So yeah, that's really the honest truth. (laughs) No, I love it. I love the honesty and that's a really good, another way you're living your design. So that's even better. Do you, so do you DJ on the side of all this amazing work? (laughs) Well, it's more of like a hobby for me. So I started DJing like, oh gosh, 
like six, seven years ago. And like, I had like a gig or two in London and like, for me, it's just more fun. Like I just do it because it's, it's exciting. And I have like a lot of different channels in human design for like music and sounds and things like that. So it's just something that I naturally was pulled to. And my dad growing up, he had a travel agency um, Mm -hmm. for, for basically like artists. So I grew up with like a lot of different artists around me like Stevie Wonder was there when I was born like just crazy weird things yeah so wow yeah I grew up with a lot of music influence in my life um and I think that that's what also you know programmed me to to love music and and do that so yeah totally that's (laughs) so cool okay cool so what's the last question is what are your thoughts on thriving? So what do you think the key to thriving is? Mm, I definitely would say alternative health practices are a definite key to thriving. I'm, you know, as I was talking to you before, I'm about to go and get cavitation surgery in my mouth from, you know, poorly (laughs) extracted wisdom teeth from eight years ago. So definitely like looking up different alternative practices for your health, how you can optimize. I love biohacking and, you know, doing things like that. Definitely um, making sure that your mind is, you know, clear of like toxic thoughts and, you know, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, I think is very important. And really, again, simplifying what it is that you need in order to, to thrive. I really don't feel like we need a lot of a lot of things. It's like, you know, good food, good water, good company, good thoughts, and you know, you're good to go. So it's easier said than done given, you know, how toxic the world is right now, but you know, the more and more you awaken to, to all of that, you can then use that to empower you to, to thrive. So simple. And it really (laughs) is so simple. The answer is, and I feel like we can get stuck in, all the noise out there, but you're right. It's just good food, good people, good (laughs) Good water. Yeah. Good vibes. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast, Jenna. I really enjoyed our conversation and I really hope that everyone else took something away from it. I'm sure they did. There were so many good nuggets of wisdom in here and I'm so grateful to have had you on. Oh, I'm so grateful too. This was so fun and definitely talked about a lot of different things that I don't normally do. So yeah. I like when that happens. <laughs> I loved, I loved every bit of this conversation. So thank you. And if people want to find you, where can yeah. they connect with you and find you? Yeah. So my website is beyondthebelief.com and my Instagram is underscore Jenna Sophia. Amazing. Everyone make sure to go follow her on Instagram. And if you're interested in working with her, I highly recommend it because the shifts are incredible. And she did a little session on me before we started recording and it was so cool. So (laughs) definitely recommend that. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you. Bye guys.